I was looking at a Peanuts comic strip, and Lucy was chasing Charlie Brown around the house. They were running, 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 and, and she was trying to get him for something. And, and finally, Charlie Brown just stopped, threw up his arms, and said, Lucy, if we as children can't forgive each other and, and put things behind us, then how can our parents as adults forgive each other and, and put things behind them? And how can the world ever... And when he said that, Lucy just punched him right in the face. And she looked and said, I had to do it. He was starting to make sense. Forgiving people just makes sense. Not living with forgiveness and hurt and anger and revenge in your heart, it just makes sense. Living with it will destroy you. Living with it will control you every day. At our house, we've got... A little dog about this long, about that high. Her name is Zoe. She's a Bichon, and we take her for walks. And, and when we get ready to go out for a walk, because we want her to stay with us, we snap this to her collar, and there she goes. And sometimes it's funny because she won't realize this is on her, and she'll take off running. And then it gets to the end, or I'll, I'll push that little button, you know, and she'll, she'll stop really fast. But when she's got this on her neck, I can control her. I can, I can get her to go in the direction I want her to go. If she starts moving in a direction I don't want, I just encourage her to go back. If she doesn't want to go, too bad. This is strapped to her. She's coming even if I've got to drag her down the sidewalk. When this is strapped to her, she is under my control. How many people go day to day leashed up to something that happened in their past, to something that somebody said or did or a hurt or something they're angry about, how many people stay leashed up to it and are controlled by it? How many people look in their past and and just can't let go of something, just can't forget it, just can't put it behind them? And if you do that, it has control over you. You're leashed up to that person or to that thing or to that situation. You're leashed up to it and it's controlling you whether it happened yesterday or whether it happened 20 years ago. I I struggle with this. Just last night, I'm on the phone with my brother talking and I brought up something, not that he did to me, but that somebody else said or did to he and I both that was, was, was hurtful. And this happened almost 10 years ago. And I was like, gosh, and I was telling him, I said, I got to talk about forgiveness tomorrow. And I just brought something up from almost 10 years ago that I'm still not happy about. I hadn't forgotten it, kept bringing it up. And I brought it up with him several times. And I was thinking, wow, God has a way of, of bringing things to the surface. Anything that's in your past that you're holding on to, that's unforgiveness, that's, that's bitterness that you haven't let go of, it's controlling you. People have always struggled with this. 2,000 years ago when Jesus was on earth, people were struggling with forgiveness. He did a lot of teaching about forgiveness, how people need to forgive each other and live in unity together. And he was trying to penetrate their hearts to get them to understand the damage that happens in a life when you refuse to forgive, when you refuse to forget, when you refuse to move on. We're in the last week of a series called Help. And when we were putting this series together, I was thinking, what are some topics that people 
say, help, I can or I can't, or help me with this. And we had two already, and today is called Help, I Can't Forgive. People have always dealt with the struggle of trying to forgive someone who's hurt you deeply. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is doing some teaching about forgiveness, some relationship teaching. He's trying to penetrate people's hearts and get them to understand when there's not unity in a relationship, when there's problems with two people who are in a relationship with each other, here are some steps you can take to resolve that. And even Jesus admits there's a time when it can't be resolved and the relationship ends. That, that just happens. Two people can't get together. They can't work it out. And he says, here's what you do if that happens. After Jesus talks about how to reconcile a relationship and when it's time to walk away from it, one of his disciples steps up. His name is Peter, who often spoke first when, after Jesus taught. And he said, Lord, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, he says this, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sinned against me? Up to seven times? But where did he get that number seven? Well, it was customary in that day. If somebody hurt you or wronged you or owed you money and they didn't pay you back or, or stole your goat or something, whatever, if, if they did that, you had to, it was customary for you to forgive them three times. It was just common knowledge or common courtesy that, well, three times they do it, you forgive them three times. So Peter thinks, I'm going to double it, I'm going to add one, and Jesus is going to be so happy with me because I'm going to say seven times. How about, how about seven times, Jesus, look what a big shot I am. Not just three, not just six, but seven. And Jesus says, no, 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 way more than seven. In fact, as many times as somebody comes to you and says, forgive me, that's how many times Jesus expects us to forgive. He says, not seven times, but 77 times, as if to say, Three's not even close. Seven's not even close. When they ask, you forgive. Yeah, the relationship might be severed. That might be over with. But when they ask, you forgive. Because Jesus knew the danger and damage in somebody's life who walks around with resentment, who walks around with bitterness, who walks around with revenge. He knew the benefit it would be to the person who was wronged to forgive, no matter how many times it was. If it were 3 or 10 or 77 or 777, whatever it was, Jesus knew if you don't forgive, if you don't let it go, then you are going to stay leashed up to the person, the situation, the thing you won't forgive, the thing you won't put behind you. It's as if they've got your leash and they point you in the direction they want you to go. They may not even know it. So Jesus goes on to tell a story about a master and his servants. A story about this master who brought one of his servants before him who owed him millions of dollars. In today's money, this guy would have owed his master millions and millions of dollars. So Jesus tells the story of him going before his master and the master saying, give me my money. It's time to pay up. If you don't pay up, I'm going to have you thrown in prison. I'm going to bring your family in here. Everybody's going to be slaves until you pay back this million and millions of dollars in debt. How many of us, even today, could pay back millions and millions of dollars? Probably not any of us. 
So the servant throws himself on the ground and says, please forgive me. I'll pay it back. Just give me some more time. I want to pay it back. And the master had mercy on the servant and said, just go. I'm going to cancel your millions and millions of dollars in debt. Could you imagine if somebody called you up and said, hey, uh, Bank One or, or uh, somebody called you up and said, hey, uh, I want to forgive your mortgage. Whatever you owe, don't worry about it. No more payments. It's finished. You'd be like, wow, you would go out and tell the world, they forgave my mortgage. They, they, I don't owe them anything else. Just because I ask, hey, I don't have, can, can I get out of this? They said, sure. That's what happened, but multiply it millions of times. This guy was forgiven of a lot. So you would think somebody like that would go out and tell the world, let me tell you about our master, how much forgiveness he offers, how messed up I was, how deep I was in debt, how deep I was in problems, and then he forgave it all, every penny of it. But he didn't do that. He went out, and when he found a fellow servant that owed him just a few dollars, just a couple bucks, he started choking him and said, give me my money. I want my money. Give me the money. And he had the guy thrown in prison because he wouldn't pay him his few dollars. Well, when some other servants saw this, they thought, our master has to see, our master has to know about this. So he goes, they go, they tell the master, the master finds out. He brings the guy back before him that had originally owed him millions and millions of dollars. And he said, you know what? Your debt's not canceled anymore. In fact, I'm going to throw you in prison because you didn't have forgiveness for somebody else until you can pay back every penny. In other words, for the rest of your life, because he's not going to be able to pay back all that money. And Jesus goes on to say in 18 verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. So Jesus is serious about people forgiving each other because he knows what the consequences are when you don't live with forgiveness in your heart. A couple of observations from this story. The first one is, I've already been forgiven more than I could ever repay. This guy could have never repaid the millions of dollars. And I could never repay the forgiveness that God has given me. And if, if you're a Christ follower and you get your mind and your heart around the fact you've been forgiven more than you can ever repay, it'll change the way you view forgiveness. It'll change the way you think about people whom you need to forgive. Another observation is, just because I received forgiveness does not mean I've experienced it. This servant received forgiveness from his master. He got it, but he didn't really experience it. You know, it's easier to speak about the things which you've experienced. In fact, it's much more effective to speak about things that you've experienced rather than things you just know about. How many of you have hiked in the Grand Canyon? Anybody ever done that? How many of you have looked at pictures of the Grand Canyon? Who could give a more accurate picture of the Grand Canyon? Well, those of us who have hiked in it because we experienced it. We didn't just look at pictures and go, oh, it's, it's cool, it's great. We experienced it. And this guy received forgiveness from his master the same way we received forgiveness from God, but he didn't experience it. And Jesus says, your ability to forgive others directly relates to God's willingness to forgive you. That's, that's pretty bold of Jesus to say. That's pretty strong to say, if you don't forgive other people, you're not going to receive forgiveness. But that's what it says. And by now, by five minutes into me talking, 
you're thinking of a person. Somebody's name has popped into your mind, something that happened, and you're thinking, well, it's pretty simplistic for you to stand up there and say, oh, just forgive. Just forgive, forget, move on, just, just go on, leave it in your past. You don't know what they did to me. You don't understand how bad they hurt me. That's true, I don't. But God knows. Forgiveness never minimizes what someone did to you. Forgiveness sets you free. Whatever they did to you, they've got their own consequences to deal with. They've got their own set of problems. But forgiveness sets you free from the leash. You might say, well, they haven't asked me, so I'm not going to forgive them. No ask, no get. That's the way it works. That's not the way it works. They may not even know how bad they hurt you. They may not even care. But you're still leashed up to them if you let resentment and unforgiveness and bitterness live in your heart. And the only way to get rid of it is to take the leash from them and say, I'm going to unleash this unforgiveness and I'm going to put this leash in the hand of my merciful Father of God and I'm going to allow Him to control this situation from now on, not me. There are some benefits to unleashing and letting go of unforgiveness. And there's some big-time consequences for hanging on to it, for not letting it go. I'm going to share a few benefits of releasing unforgiveness and some consequences of hanging on to it. The first one is there's an emotional benefit to unleashing unforgiveness. But there are emotional consequences to hanging on to things you need to let go of. In Job 5, Verse 2, it says, Resentment kills a fool, and envy slays the simple. If there was ever anybody in all the Bible that had the right to be resentful, it was Job. It's a book in the Old Testament, J-O-B, looks like Job, pronounced Job. If you've never read it, read his story, and you'll think, man. And that guy said resentment was a bad thing. He had every reason to resent, but he said resentment kills a fool. Envy slays the simple. The benefit of unleashing unforgiveness and hurt in my life is that it frees me up from the past to live better and more healthy emotionally for today. And not unleashing unforgiveness will lead me to resent. It'll fill my heart with resentment. Resentment is a consequence of unforgiveness. So if you've got resentment in your heart against something or somebody, it's a result of being unforgiven. Resentment is powerful. Resentment is toxic. One of the most toxic nerve agents on the face of the earth is VX. They transport it in the undercover of night. Nobody knows where it all is because VX is so powerful that a drop of VX the size of George Washington's eyeball on a quarter is enough to kill a 180-pound man. It is toxic stuff. A little bit of it will hurt you, will kill you. And emotionally, a little bit of resentment will eat you up. You know what resentment is? Resentment comes from a Latin word, resento. Two words, re and zento. R-E means again. R-E means over and over. R-E means to do it again. And cento means to feel the pain of the cut. So put the two words together, resento, we get our word resentment, and it means to feel the pain of the cut over 
and over again. Not the actual cut over and over again, but feeling that pain over and over again. That's what resentment is. I read that resentment is like you drinking a glass of poison and hoping that the other person dies. In the song that Joel just sang, there's a line that says, There are people in your life who've come and gone. They let you down. They've hurt you pride. Put it all behind you. Life goes on. If you keep carrying that anger, it will eat you up inside. Resentment will turn you into a negative, bitter, angry person. And that all starts way back when you allow yourself to be leashed up to somebody else or something because of the hurt. When you hand somebody the control, when you don't forgive, when you don't forget, and you hand somebody the control, it turns into resentment. And then you become bitter. And you become a negative person. You ever notice that negative people kind of group together? They're the only ones that can stand each other. See, negative people kind of hang out with each other. There's never just one. It's a pack. They're like wild dogs. They travel together. They're never off by themselves. You know what I mean? Negative people, the kind of people that brighten up the room by leaving. I mean, really, really negative people. That's what happens when people don't forgive, when people have resentment in their hearts, when people have pain that they've never let go of. They become a negative person. And you will be better off emotionally the day you take this out of the hands of the person who hurt you and put it in to the hands of God. When you unleash unforgiveness, you'll be better off emotionally. Unforgiveness and resentment, it, it affects every area of our life. When we, It's like a slow drip poison into our veins, just making us worse and worse and worse. It doesn't cool off with time. Until you make the decision to unleash the unforgiveness, it won't go away. It'll still be in your heart. It'll affect decisions in relationships. It'll affect decisions with your money. It'll affect decisions about your life, the way you interact with other people. Unforgiveness leads to poor decision-making. The consequences of not unleashing unforgiveness is you'll become a resentful, bitter, and angry person. Think about... What are you missing out on because you've been holding on to something you're not letting go of because you've handed somebody else the leash and just like I can control my dog or drag her down the street if I want to. Think about what you've been missing out on. Think about how far you could have come by now. Like when the dog thinks the leash is not on and she takes off running, then all of a sudden the reality of the leash is there and she gets choked. That's how our life is. We might be going through life perfect, nothing's wrong, and all of a sudden it's this emotional stranglehold because we haven't let go of something from the past. There's also a relational benefit to unleashing unforgiveness and some relational consequences to not unleashing unforgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. When I unleash unforgiveness, I'm doing the same thing for others that Christ did for me. If I'm a Christ follower, I've received forgiveness. Hopefully I've experienced forgiveness and I know what it feels like to be forgiven. And the Bible says, take that and share it with the people in your life who've hurt you, who've let you down, who've caused you pain. You know, Jesus wants us to become like him. 
Not only does he want us to become like him, he thinks we can. He believes that we can become like him. In in the book of Matthew and Mark specifically, Jesus comes up to his disciples and he says, come and follow me. And in those two words, there's a lot of meaning in it. It's not just follow me and walk behind me. When he says follow me in their culture, they would have understood that Jesus meant come follow me because I think you can do what I do. And then he says that to all of us who have ever become Christ followers. Come and follow me. You can be like me. And Jesus forgives. Jesus forgives us. And he says, do what I do. Forgive other people. In order to become more like Christ, I need to focus on Christ. I need to focus on my relationship with him. If I do, then I become more like him. If I don't, then I become less like him. In the book, Invitation to Healing, the author talks about being hurt in her 20s, how bad a neighbor hurt her and how deep the cut went. And she could only think about that for years and years and years. It just kept going over and over. She kept playing the tapes over and over and over in her mind until one day a friend said, do you know that we become like what we think about the most? And the lady said, what a wake-up call. Because I was becoming like the person I was refusing to to forgive because I was focusing so intently on them and what they did to me. Instead of on Christ, instead of releasing that, my focus was on her and I was becoming like her. The consequences to hanging on to a hurt or staying leashed up to unforgiveness is that you run the risk of becoming like the person you haven't forgiven. When our oldest daughter, Molly, was seven, she's now 11, when she was seven years old, She was writing one day, and I I was getting ready to teach a class or something, and I I went in, and I said, Molly, what do you you think forgiveness is? So she told me, and I was like, wow, can you write that down? And I helped her spell all the words right, and this is what a seven-year-old girl said. She said, forgiveness means when somebody does something wrong or bad to you, you should always forgive them and don't think about it. That's pretty simple. Just don't think about it. But you, you, maybe you're thinking, I can't forgive. I, I, I can't. I can't. How am I supposed to forget? How am I supposed to not think about what he did to me? How she hurt me? You will stop. You will stop thinking about it when you stop talking about it. When you stop bringing it up, maybe a better way to say it instead of forget it is stop talking about it. Stop running the tapes over and over and over and over in your mind. Stop telling somebody, Can you, let me tell you what happened to me in my life. Let me tell you how bad I got hurt. Let me tell you what he did or what she did or what they did. You will start to forget when you stop talking about it. Listen to those words of wisdom from a seven-year-old that says, don't think about it. Stop bringing it up will get you closer to forgiving and forgetting than anything else. The relational benefit of unleashing unforgiveness is that I will become more like Christ. The relational consequence is that I'll become like the person I won't forgive. They will control me. And as long as I harbor that hurt and that unforgiveness in my heart, they will have control in my life. There's also a physical benefit and physical consequences to living with hurt and unforgiveness. Proverbs 14 verse 30 says, A sound mind makes for a robust body. But runaway emotions erode the bones. Staying leashed up to unforgiveness can hurt you physically. There's a connection between the physical and mental well-being. 
Fred Luskin, who's a psychologist at Stanford University, said, holding on to a hurt and nursing grudges will harm your health. It will make your blood pressure go up. It will cause you to be more stressed. It will mess you up emotionally. He says, forgiving someone can be a powerful antidote. He did a study of 71 people, and he said it showed that people who don't experience forgiveness, they have steep spikes in blood pressure, heart rate, and muscle tension. He said letting go of a grudge can even reduce stress by 50%. Forgiveness helps people remain calm. It isn't about condoning what happened. It's about breaking free from the person who wronged us. The benefits of unleashing unforgiveness is we'll be better off physically. The consequences are we won't be better off. Our health will be affected by holding on, allowing somebody else to stay leashed up to us because of something they did to us. There's a spiritual benefit, and and there are spiritual consequences to not unleashing unforgiveness. In Mark 11, verse 25, it says, When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. It's simple. When I forgive others, God forgives me. When I put a hurt behind me, God forgives me. If you're holding on to anything, Jesus says, let it go because it's controlling you. It's a leash around your neck. Don't let it rule your life. Let it go so you can experience the true forgiveness that only God has to offer. And then the memory is now not painful. When you think about the hurt, when you think about what happened, it's now, instead of a painful thing, it's a testimony to what God can do. One of my best friends in the world was molested as a child. And he struggled with it and struggled with it, went through a divorce, still struggled with it. And then he finally let it go. He finally made peace. He wrote a letter to the, to the man who molested him. And he wrote the letter, never mailed it, but he wrote it out, letting the, just telling him, you are forgiven. I put this behind me. And he told me, he said, you know, now when I think about it, it's not this pain and the shame of what happened to me. It's a testimony to how God can take a life that says, I'm going to put this behind me, I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to move on. So instead of that memory being resentful and feeling the pain of the cut all over again, it's a memory that says, look how great God is. When I give the control of the hurt in my life, when I take it away from the person who hurt me, and I put it in the hands of God, look at what God can do. Forgiveness makes a lot of sense. Forgiving will prevent grudges. It'll prevent revenge. It'll benefit me emotionally, relationally, physically, and spiritually. But the consequences to not letting it go means that I am leased up to somebody emotionally, relationally, physically, and spiritually. I'm just going to encourage you to let it go today. Because you're thinking of a person or a thing. I bet most of you are. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, it says, If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I've forgiven, if there's anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. This verse says, Don't be outsmarted by this evil 
being known as Satan. That's his goal, is to outsmart you and for you to live leashed up to somebody else because staying leashed up to them means you're leashed up to him and he can outwit you and he can control your life. And God says, let me have it. Unleash it and give it to me. So the next step is who? Who is it? Who is it that you need to forgive? What is it that you need to do? You need to leave here today, make a phone call. You need to go visit somebody. You need to write a letter to take that first step in unleashing the unforgiveness and the resentment and the bitterness in your life. Whatever it takes, release it. Because forgiveness, when you hear Jesus talk about it, really is the heart of the matter in our relationship with each other and our relationship with him and our ability to live a spiritual, healthy life. You can forgive. You don't have to say, help, I can't forgive. You can do it. The benefits are so great when you do. You'll be so glad when you did, and your life will be so different. When you take the leash away from whatever it is you haven't forgotten and forgiven of the past, and you put it into the hands of God, who will control your life in a whole new way.